D Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast is brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. I uh, I have an update about Three Punk Ales, actually, Darren, now that I say it. May we have a return of Golsh coming this summer? Maybe. Maybe. We will see. Darren, it is a Thursday morning. That's when we're recording the latest Unnamed Soccer Podcast. A bright good morning to you in North Park. Yeah, a little too bright in here now that we've changed the clocks around. We're recording in the mornings. The sunlight as I'm facing east is coming into the window. So anybody who's watching video of this, we make it available now on video and just in audio podcast form. You'll notice some sunlight coming in on a beautiful Thursday morning in America's finest city, Jordan. By the way, Golsh, good news years. We're getting into the summer months, right? Like a nice, crisp lighter type log. I'm looking forward to that. Very exciting news. Thanks for that. That was the most important part of this whole podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're done. Nothing gets better after that. So we might as well just wrap it. Thank you, Eric Gomez for joining us today <laughs> and we'll chat with you again next week. <laughs> I am excited about Golsh potentially coming back and Hey, there's a little, little preview of what's to come right there. Eric Gomez is on the podcast this morning. Good morning, Eric Gomez. Hey, Hey, how's it going guys? It's been a long time, but uh, really excited to be back and uh, really jealous of that very bright San Diego morning, especially, I don't know. I, I mean, I have to ask, I, I have no idea where I'm facing. I think I'm facing south but you know as you can see there's really not a lot of light coming in especially compared to d smith so well tell uh, the people where you are where do we find you this beautiful thursday morning uh, we're in mexico city right now we are in the bohemian neighborhood of la condesa and uh we're about two blocks away from the famed amsterdam avenue which used to be a uh racetrack um it's oval shaped now it's just, you know, another street, but that's where the old, uh, the old hippodromo, the old, uh, uh, racetrack used to be. And, uh, lore has it that, uh, Porfirio Diaz, the old Mexican dictator, um, was, uh, apparently decided that he would resign, uh, at the, uh, the cusp of the Mexican revolution in 1910, just a couple blocks of, from where I'm sitting. So ste- steeped in history for sure. I, that whole city is, you know, a couple of years back, Eric, I don't know that we've ever talked about this here. I don't know why we, we would have, but the Padres were playing the Astros in uh, exhibition series down in Mexico City. That was one of the million times that Eric and I could not quite connect, even though we were in the same city at the same time. We've never actually right. yet. but what an amazing place to go ahead and visit. I had no idea. It is uh, not uh, what I would have thought. I mean, it is every bit like you're in a European city. I, I don't know what I was expecting, but the Polanco district, does that sound right, Eric? That was yeah. a lot of place. Restaurants and cafes and parks and, and just you know, beautiful architecture everywhere you go. Fascinating city. We just celebrated my, uh, my dad's uh, 64th birthday in Polanco. He's uh, recently vaccinated, of course. So that was, right. that was really fun. And, uh, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, it's pretty crazy to be in a city like that, especially coming from Tijuana and San Diego, where, you know, you kind of ask stuff. And it's if it's not regarding the uh, the missionaries, there's really no no history behind it beyond 100 years or so. So that's pretty cool. You know what's interesting yeah. about that? And, you know, I'm not here to uh, slander Tijuana at all. But when I was in Mexico City, you know, we were we would be asked by people, drivers or, or people who worked in restaurants, you know, have you been to Mexico before? <clears throat> and I'd say, yeah, of course. You know, I go to Tijuana all the time. And sometimes they would look and be like, 
yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you being from this, you probably hear with that a lot as well. It, you know, that it's, it's like, yeah, okay. Uh, but, you know, there's a huge difference between how they feel in that part of the country versus how they feel where we're much closer to, which we'll talk about coming up in a little bit. Sure. It's kind of like dipping your toes a little bit, just, you know, getting into Tijuana. Yeah, yeah. for sure. As yeah. the only one who has not been to Mexico City on the podcast today, I know I would love visiting Mexico City because I love food. And that's you usually love the my tacos. main thing. Yeah. If you have good food wherever uh, wherever you are, I'm going to like that area. That's, that's always like my advice to people who might be traveling to somewhere brand new. If you can find some type of food tour or get a good idea of like where the best food spots are, it's a good way to like learn the city and get around the city. And then you kind of learn the landscape for the next couple of days. If you're lucky enough to be in that town, whatever town it is. Um, but food is like usually my driving force on trips. And that's how I know I would absolutely love Mexico city. Yeah. You can, you can eat your way through that city quickly. I mean, it is, it, it is amazing. Just spectacular stuff. By the way, it's taken us a little while. I need to offer uh, congratulations to Eric Gomez who had the oh. of Olympic qualifying. You and I actually talked about it on this podcast when the U S ended up losing, I oh, forgot man. it was two Mexico. Oh, I forgot who it was. It was two when, Mexico. Yeah. It was two Mexico. And Eric Gomez writes, you know, it's that, that classic meme of the drunken dude in the bar talking to the disinterested female. It honestly doesn't even matter that we lost to Mexico. This is our C, maybe our D team making the Olympics was always, was always the main goal. Plus we have so much talent in a pipeline. Do you even know who Eunice Musa is? Kudos to Do you. Even as a U.S. soccer fan, I had to retweet that and say, give it up to everyone. <laughs> here's, here, here's the funny part about that. I, I actually agree with, you know, the core thesis of that tweet. Like, it's absolutely true, but it's just so annoying to hear these U.S. and Mexico fans go back and forth about whether this is the A team, the B team, the C team. It, 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 I mean, it doesn't matter, man. If any of us uh, out here listening to this podcast, looking at us right now, uh, have ever played any kind of organized sport, you know, at a certain level, you just you go out to win, right? It doesn't matter who your teammates are and who you're playing against. I mean, there, there's certainly no excuses, especially with a team uh, so steeped in mentality like the United States, you have to go out there and win no matter who is representing that, that flag, that crest. And it just tickled me that everybody was just kind of uh, sidestepping the entire issue before the game had even happened. That's, that's why the tweet came out because I'd been reading about uh, people uh, sort of backsliding or, or, or making excuses four or five days before that game even happened. So, so yeah, glad, glad it, uh, it caught some laughs for sure. <laughs> It was fantastic. Was there uh, a Mexican national team version of that? Was there an L3 version of that? Had the U.S. somehow figured out? Of course. Out yeah. Oh, of course. There were two drafts. I mean, and the other one, I think I deleted it because I just kind of go through my drafts every week and, and delete them. But it was essentially, you know, who cares about the U23 team? Everybody knows that you measure greatness by the Gold Cup and you know, head-to-head matches. And it's the same same meme, right? Uh, some, some version of that, you know, just kind of saying, you know, they might have Christian Pulisic, but we have Chicharito and Carlos Vela. We're, we're taking money from their league, right? Something like that. They both absolutely would have worked. Whatever the result would have been, you could have, you would have been ready either way. The draw would have killed me. 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Deleted, deleted tweets, the drafted tweets with Eric Gomez. It should be a weekly segment on the unnamed soccer podcast. Um, it seems like we could be having some news uh, somewhere very close to where Darren and I are across the border in Tijuana. Uh, Darren and I have been going to show those matches for nearly a decade. And I don't know how many managers they've had in that time, Eric Gomez, but it's been a lot. And usually I'm someone who says, so what? It's kind of just the product of the game. I'm a Chelsea supporter. I see managers come and go all the time. Like, why is that such a big deal? As long as you're finding success, it's okay. Um, I don't know if Club Tijuana has been finding success. I think it's a little bit of a different story for them. This isn't kind of the product of the game where you have a lot of different managers coming in and out. This seems like it's maybe more of a reflection on the club. Why can't they, uh, why can't they figure this out with the manager? Why can't they find a guy and be able to stick with them? I think they struck gold um, in 2011 when they hired Antonio Mohamed on on a whim, basically trying to save their team from being relegated um, because they had a very good assembly of talent at that point. They just hadn't figured out a good way to use that talent. They had signed a lot of really established Liga MX stars and they had signed a lot of really established uh, foreign names to kind of come in and bolster that team. They just needed a very, uh, you know, not even a very good coach, but a good coach to kind of put those guys together and figure out a way to play. Um, eventually, of course, they they won the title, their only title in 2012. But I think that is kind of, you know, that's obviously the combination that any team aspires to in order to have success. You, you need to have a good base of players and you need to have a good coach. Um, either... One of those two elements has been lacking for Club Tijuana over the last nine years, over the last really uh, close to a decade now. Um, either they've had very good coaches like Miguel Herrera or, um, you know, even Pablo Guerre, who recently um, said goodbye to the team. I mean, that's a very good coach, but I just don't think the collection of talent has been there always for Cholos. They've kind of done the bargain basement thing a, a lot of times over the last nine years. They've hired... Um, really good coaches, but not had enough talent. And then when they do assemble good players, they did, they just haven't had good luck. Um, and then the secret the, the third part of this entire thing, I would say is that when they do have um, that very rare combination, it doesn't last for very long because the secrets out that club Tijuana, uh, the guys running the show there are excellent at finding good players, bringing them in, developing them and turning them into stars. I mean, look at Dario Benedetto. He's playing, he, he was off playing in, in France for a while. Um, you know, uh, Guido Rodriguez, who's in Spain right now, all those guys didn't go directly to Europe from Cholos. They, they made a pit stop over at other clubs in Liga MX. And that's simply because they're the, the uh, you know, the team that buys cheap and, and sells high. Uh, but you really don't have extended windows of competitiveness when you do that. And I think that they've been more worried about grabbing corporate sponsorships on both sides of the border and finishing their stadium, which they still have not done, uh, instead of focusing on success because they know that they're the only show in town, um, you know, in Mexico, at least for hundreds of miles um, to the next uh, Liga MX city. Um, and in you know Southern California, of course, especially San Diego County, that they know that they will have the unwavering support of fans. So it's been very difficult for them to kind of put that together. But I think that this collection of players um, just pretty much needed more time with Pablo Guerra. If he if he says he's had enough, then there's an under, another underlying issue there for sure. 
But I think that if they get the guy that they're looking for, uh, this might be uh, one of those times where we see a quick turnaround as we did in 2011 with Antonio Mohamed for sure. Well, uh, the quick turnaround and the name that's been out there is floated, not official yet, at least not as of the time of this recording, which is Thursday morning, is uh, Piojo, Miguel Herrera, the sequel. So <laughs> what, do we, what do we make of this if this actually happens? Yeah, and he's had he's had success with sequels in the past. I mean, he grabbed Club America a second time and he won a title there. So, um, you know, again, one of those lone bright spots in the last nine years for Club Tijuana has been with Miguel Herrera at the helm. I think that uh, if he comes in as, as everything appears like it will, um, if he comes in, he's going to have uh, a good opportunity to take that team back into the playoffs. Obviously not this season. But uh, next season, because when you hire a guy like Miguel Herrera, the expectation is that you will sign players that he needs to develop his system. You're not going to bring him in to sort of um, coddle a, a mediocre uh, roster and, and take them up to 10th place, which in today's Liga MX is enough to get you into the postseason. But that's really not what he's looking for as a coach, right? He, he, he needs to go to a place that is not going to depreciate his value in the market because this is a guy who has had a lot of very interesting rumors around him over the last 18 months. I mean, Real, you know, Betis in Spain uh, apparently were in the, in the running to sign him. He was this close to signing with the Chilean national team um, last year. And if he's going to go to Club Tijuana, he's going to need a project, right, from, from the guys running the show, from Nacho Polo, from Jorge Alberto Hank, from all the, the, the big money people. Um, I expect that to happen because even though I just mentioned that this club has unwavering support from its fans in Tijuana, in San Diego and other places, I think the fans are starting to get very, very frustrated uh, that they've not been able to replicate or at least come close to that success from, from 2012, 2013, uh, when they made the Copa Libertadores. Uh, you know, it's, it's a different world for, for Cholos fans uh, of late. And I think that they're, they're pretty much sick of it. Yeah, it's an, it's interesting you said it the way you did that. That stadium's still not done. Um, I'm someone who has been very excited to see the the completion of that stadium. I guess I've always been under the impression like it's going to be done soon. Uh, San Diego State Stadium is probably going to finish before that one, which is crazy. Like that thing wasn't even on anyone's radar. It didn't even exist as an idea until like years into Club Tijuana actually beginning their actual construction of their stadium. It, it is, is there, I don't know. We don't have to go down that road. We have a lot to discuss. There's something else that I wanted to bring up. I saw a story in The Athletic, Darren sent it my way, and it's about an idea that we've heard discussed a lot. I really don't understand a lot of it. So I'm really glad you're on the podcast to explain it. Um, the idea of merging, Major League Soccer and Liga MX. Like, what does that mean? When we talk about that idea, I'll let you provide the details, but what does that mean when you want to combine Major League Soccer and Liga MX? Does that just mean they want to do a tournament together? Does that mean one's champion plays the other champion? And then whoever wins that is the real champion of North? Like, how does this work? What does it mean? I think the best case scenario and the idea that was initially laid out was to have both leagues specifically combine into a super league. Now, there are a lot of roadblocks there. I think we'd heard of of a, a three-tiered pyramid to kind of appease FIFA and appease the old guard of soccer and make it so that there is promotion and relegation. The issue here is when you have MLS owners who are ponying up at least nine figures to come into the league nowadays – 
they're not going to be too happy if their market is deemed small and pushed down into the second or even the third division of this new pyramid, right? They're going to lose a lot of revenue from that. TV contracts are not going to be the same and they're just not going to go for it. So the roadblocks that I see for that particular scenario are not going to go away. And I don't see them going away um, unless you decide on the other scenario or the second scenario, which is pretty insane uh, to have a, a 40 team Super League, basically, and to have 30 MLS teams, 10 Liga MX teams competing at the top level, have USL teams and uh, the remainder of the Liga MX teams, the Liga de Expansión, which is the uh, second division in Mexico, competing in the lower rungs. Um, again, still very difficult to pull off um, for obvious reasons. How are you going to balance a schedule with 40 teams? How are you going to balance travel with 40 teams? And that, that goes for a, any one of these scenarios, especially the, the travel part of it. Um, Liga MX does not have a salary cap which is included in that, in that great article by Felipe Cardenas in The Athletic, which I, I urge you all to read if you haven't already. Um, <clears throat> there are a lot of really difficult uh, things that would need to either find a happy medium or change entirely, uh, specifically speaking about MLS or League MX, the way that they do things with salary cap, with um, you know multiple teams being owned by a single entity uh, or a single owner, which we do have in, in uh, Liga MX. We used to have an MLS. Uh, and then just, again, the logistics of the entire thing. Uh, what are you going to be playing for? What are you going to be qualifying into? Are you going to move away from CONCACAF entirely to make this happen? Because CONCACAF is not going to be happy and they're not happy with any any uh, league MX MLS closeness at the moment. It's very difficult to pull off in my mind. The more plausible scenario when we talk about merger, when we talk about increased competition is the development of these tournaments like the leagues cup and, you know, the Campeones cup and all of these different things that they're uh, developing. And that is exactly why we saw uh, CONCACAF move into that expanded Champions League format, which is supposed to take place in 2023, because they don't want all of these MLS and League MX teams tied up in what they call secondary competitions, obviously non-sanctioned, but are <laughs> competitions that are going to be much more um, attractive to teams of both of these uh, leagues, because the money is just going to be, you know, divided amongst themselves and they don't have to share with teams from El Salvador, Haiti, Honduras, etc. That's what we're looking at specifically with uh, League MX and MLS merging or uh, continuing to develop uh, a more sort of extensive partnership. So the, you know, it very much read in the athletic piece that the Liga MX commissioner was was pushing for an increased partnership. Don Garber's always held his cards pretty close to the vest, you know, the MLS commissioner. But but who do you get the sense that there's mutual interest from the leagues on either side of making something like this happen? Do you get the sense that it would receive pushback from supporters? I mean, like like who do you see aligning with which ideas of increasing the partnership between the two leagues? Well, it's got a really big shot in the arm from FIFA, you know, which was completely unexpected. Uh, Gianni Infantino, of course, you know, FIFA president came out a few weeks ago and said, 
they would probably build the best league in the world, which I'm not sure I agree with, but it still sort of beckons the idea that FIFA would would be okay with, with League MX and MLS um, even going through with the dream scenario, which is um, merging eventually somewhere down the line. Um, I don't think, again, I don't think that's going to happen. And I know that Don Garber has been kind of wishy-washy about how much collaboration they're willing to give League MX and vice versa. Um, I think a lot of it will depend on MLS's next TV contract deal, which uh, comes up next year, right? They're getting pennies on the dollar for what other uh, leagues are getting, including League MX in the United States, which is just appalling. You know, this is your domestic league. This is not a, a minor league by any stretch of the imagination. But when you look at the ratings that they're pulling in, you know, again, obviously compared to the EPL, to the Champions League, but to Liga MX itself, that creates a problem for people like Don Garber because they're not able to sort of um, understand why they would need to uh, do anything uh, to uh, kind of move away from Liga MX. They're, they're going to try and bring them in. They're going to try and say, you know what, we need you to get this huge TV contract. And if we can't do that the conventional way, then we're probably going to need to develop these alternate tournaments. And, and like I said, split the money between both of these leagues. Um, however, I, I do think that CONCACAF is going to push back um, pretty strongly, right? They can't do without MLS and League MX. That's just the absolute truth. Um, they're trying to develop other nations at the national team level, and they're being very they're, they're being very accommodating for club for teams like Jamaica and Haiti, who have players who are uh, potentially available to suit up for them playing in England and other places, France. Um, but they're not going to be accommodating at all for League MX and MLS, and they, they need them in the fold if they're going to survive as a confederation. Uh, whether this means that you know Mexico and the U.S. would join Conmebol South America, I don't know. But it, it's definitely looking like they're kind of staring each other down. And the next two things that I would look at um, as far as predicting what's going to happen with this entire merger idea is to look at whether MLS gets a decent, not a great, but a decent TV contract from ESPN and Fox and whoever else might be interested. Um, and whether that CONCACAF Champions League extended format uh, takes hold, right? The way that they want them to. Because again, uh, teams like Cruz Azul and America and Atlanta United and, and Portland Timbers could just say, we're just going to send, you know, kids to these tournaments like they have in the past. And yeah. we're going to focus on Leagues Cup and there's nothing you can do about it. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of having Liga MX teams playing uh, MLS clubs. I love the idea. I just don't know how it will work financially for the I don't know how it breaks down for like the most important people in this equation, which unfortunately isn't us. Um, it's the people who are making the financial decisions. So I don't know how that's going to break down, but I love it. Like I love when the best of major league soccer takes on the best of Liga MX and you can kind of play off of that. Uh, major league soccer kicks off this week, um, obviously in a different calendar than everyone else. Uh, but with that, I think one of the biggest storylines going into this season is Chicharito and what he's doing with LA Galaxy. Uh, they're coming off a bad year. Um, Chicharito had a lot going on on and off the field last year. Um, but LA Galaxy, they want him to perform. They want him to have success in the postseason. Uh, they want to win another MLS Cup. What do you expect from Chicharito and a potential bounce back in 2021? Yeah, well, he's he's saying the right things, right? I mean, he's going out there and giving interviews in both languages, basically saying that he sucked 
and he disappointed uh, not just the LA Galaxy faithful, but MLS fans in general. And, you know, you uh, he's not lying, right? I mean, he only scored two more goals than uh, you, I, you, Darren, and I did in MLS last season. So, you know, that's, that's kind of uh, underwhelming from a guy that used to play for Manchester United and Real Madrid. Um, at the same time, I think that, you know, he's – could be 33 this year, which is not a death knell by any stretch of the imagination, especially when you're playing stateside. But um, he's had a lot of injuries, right? And he's had a lot of injuries in his past. He's not the player that he was five years ago. I think that was patently obvious when we saw him at Sevilla and West Ham United for that last European stretch. And he's been completely written off the Mexican national team, which is strange considering that Tata Martino used to coach in MLS. And he's been drawing on a lot of those MLS-based players for these last few games, right? Um, I think the message is pretty clear, uh, not just from the uh, Mexican Federation and uh, from the Galaxy fans, but Chicharito needs to be a lot better this season if he expects to just kind of live up to his contract and live up to his name. Um, It's going to be very interesting because he's not been a fan of pressure in the past. And to be quite frank, the onus of pressure on him has always come from this side of the world and not from, (laughs) you know, where he's played in Europe, which is ironic because I just mentioned that he's played for two of the biggest clubs in the world. They love him over there. Um, The Mexican fans, the Mexican American fans, and now, you know, all kinds of MLS fans, they're going to be on his back. Um, And I think that when his back is pushed up against the wall, um, we've seen varying returns in the past. We've either seen him, completely outproduce what is expected of him. And we've also seen times like last season where he's basically curled up into a ball. Right. Um, so I, I I'm going to be very interested in seeing what, what, uh, what can happen. And I think I, I would take any bet at this point that says he'll score 15 goals or he'll score one goal. You know, it's, it's just hard to predict them. What do you think his summer looks like with the national team? Again, you know, it really does depend on whether he gets off on a roll here with the uh, the Galaxy early on, because uh, we got the Gold Cup coming up, obviously, and uh, he could potentially play for the Mexican Olympic team in Tokyo as well as one of the uh, overage players. Um, you know, I don't know if there if he if he performs well enough, he'll be considered for both. Right? There'll be a nice little tug of war between Tata Martino and Jaime Lozano, who coaches the the under twenty threes. Um, because having a player of that stature at the Olympic Games is always a luxury. Um, Mexico traditionally have not been able to call on their biggest stars uh, for this tournament. And uh, now that they've ha- they have plenty of players in MLS, there's been a lot of talk about whether Carlos Vela or Chicharito or Alan Pulido or P- Rodolfo Pizarro can come into the fold because it's easier to ask an MLS team for that permission than it would a European team. Um, but, you know, I think he can... He should really keep his eyes off of any, uh, uh, you know, national team activity at this point and just kind of focus on what he's doing with the Galaxy because this is going to be a make-or-break season for him and I would say for the people who hired him because the LA Galaxy is notoriously a short-fuse team in in the context of MLS, and um, they've become quite Mexicanized in these last uh, few months with, uh, you know, Dennis DeClosa is not – a Mexican national. He's of course Dutch, but he worked for, with the Mexican national team for several years. And I would argue that his signings have been flops, you know, all, you know, the coach, the, the DPs, even just the regular uh, free agent signings that he's brought up have not worked. 
And if Chicharito is an, is a dud in 2021, I think that uh, you're looking at uh, a 2022 where potentially Dennis DeClosa is looking for another job and Chicharito is maybe filling out the ranks of Chivas. Well, <clears throat> I have one final question. How, how is it going in your part of the world, this idea that you're going to have uh, foreign investment into a Liga Emma Eki's club? And by foreign investment, I don't just mean some, some Russian oligarch, Jordan, but I mean like Mesut Ozil, Justin Verlander, Kate Upton, Longoria. <laughs> Uh, what is it like now, like this story that seemingly popped up out of nowhere that some notable names are, are forming an investment group to buy into a Liga Emma Equis club? First of all, I can't wait for all or nothing Colin Nicaxa next year with Kate Upton uh, trying to shop in Aguascalientes for some. I mean, that's something that blows my mind. I would never have had those words come out of my mouth organically, if not for, for, for soccer and for Liga MX, um, you know, more seriously, though, I think it's very interesting to see that we've got people who are looking smart people, obviously, who are backed by these big investment firms, not just these celebrity names looking at League MX as investment opportunities. And I think it all goes back to what we were talking about, this potential merger or collaboration uh, between League MX and MLS. This is a very well thought out idea that is uh, low floor, high ceiling for people like um, the investment banker who used to run DC United, who is now uh, centrally involved in this plot to take over Nakaxa, because you're looking at three big factors when you invest in a league MX team that could become potentially very good investments in the future. One is um, just the market value of the club, right? Uh, if they can convince Mesut Ozil or some of his friends <laughs> from back home to come home, to come to Mexico rather, and suit up for Nicaxa, that's instantly going to raise the value of the club because it's not tethered to a single entity the way it is in MLS or a buy-in fee from an owner. Um, then, secondly, the TV contract is a, is another huge thing, not just within the context of anything that they might do with MLS, but in general. Nicaxa is not a big market team; they don't get a lot of money from their TV contracts in Mexico or the United States. But what could happen? is if this team starts to invest in players, if Mezut Ozil is playing, for instance, for Nakaxa, how are you going to justify lowballing them with a TV contract, at least in the short term? That's going to bring in a lot of money. And then third, they've got a really nice stadium. Um, they've got a team that is steeped in history. And if they're able to sort of parlay that into um, increased international exposure, which they will no doubt get, not just uh, through MLS, but uh, through the people who are owning uh, or investing in this team by bringing them to the United States for friendlies, taking them uh, every which way, all of that's going to bring, mon bring money in. And, you know, this is not a full takeover. This is a 50% investment is what is being discussed. Um, you know, you could potentially double that investment in three to five years just by following those simple steps, which would be a lot harder to do if you're investing into 50% of, say, Chivas, which is already a very highly valued uh, team within the con confines of Liga MX or Monterrey or Tigres, all of those other teams. You've basically found a kind of a diamond in the rough with Necaxa, and you're going to develop that diamond. You're just going to you know, bring out, the, bring out the shine in it for sure. Why didn't we think of this? <laughs> yeah, we could have we, we could have gotten gotten about ten million from venture capitalists and just gone in. I mean, that's absolutely true. Yeah. So 
could have done something like this. I don't know. What a missed opportunity. We have contacts. We, we could have, you know, had Landon coaching the team potentially next year. I mean, <laughs> uh, really good appearance, Eric. Oh, sorry. Really good appearance, Eric. Um, we, we do thank you. Usually people who tune into the podcast, like we usually go to like Missoula, Montana to get an update on the Bundesliga. So people may have thought we were going to Mexico City to get an update on, let's say, like Australia's league or something. We did not. I think you did a great job uh, providing a lot on both sides of the border. We talked about Club Tijuana, uh, the future of the two leagues, Chicharito and potentially Piojo coming back to Tijuana. Really good stuff. We appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Give Eric a follow on Twitter at Eric Gomez 86. By the way, he didn't tell us the story about the Pele signed autographed. Uh, football oh, yes. I did not. I did yeah. not. It's, it's right. It's right back here. Just give me one second. We found this out right before recording the podcast. Eric uh, slipped this in right before we started. It's like, oh, do you guys know the story so, about this uh, Pele signed that I have? When we still had a Copa Libertadores in Mexico, as you uh, might recall, um, oh. You know, the corporate sponsorship used to be a, uh, a bank, Santander, I think, a Spanish bank. Um, I don't I'm not sure if that's still the the, the full name of Copa Libertadores, but uh, Pele was a longtime spokesman for that bank. Right. Not just in Brazil, but, you know, and he was a brand ambassador. Um, they had this big Copa Libertadores kickoff event in Mexico City a few years ago. Uh, in which they had Pelé and a couple of other very well-known uh, former soccer stars like Carlos Valderrama, of course, former MLS player. And um, they stayed at the JW Marriott Hotel in Santa Fe, which is another one of the, uh, the swanky neighborhoods here in Mexico City. Uh, my best friend and my roommate at the time uh, was a manager for that hotel, right? So she essentially let me know that uh, Pele was going to be at the hotel, and he was going to be staying there for a few days. Um, when they finally did kind of allow the hotel employees to accost <laughs> Pele for autographs and selfies and whatnot, she bought this tiny Brazil Nike ball and had the man himself sign it. So I took it out of its case so you can see the actual signing here. But uh, one, of the, uh, one of the few soccer treasures like actually – worth something behind me over at, at this wall here. So you actually yeah. took it out of its case right there. That's dangerous. I did. I did. This is just Sharpie. I mean, I have no idea how, how much longer this is going to hold out. That's why yeah, Eric, I'm not going to lie. It case. looks like something you could have drawn on there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. It, it but I mean, like when a like it looks like a logo. Yeah. That's a great it, signature. I mean, he, he was what? Yeah. 76, 75 at the time. And he was probably surrounded by a hundred very, um, very eager Mexicans. I mean, I think that's pretty good to kind that's of really good. be able to squeeze in that, that, that signing. Yeah. It almost looks like a copyright. Like it's his trademark within his, I think it is really good. I think it is. Doesn't even look like a signature. It looks like something like, you know, that you would brand onto a shirt. That's amazing. I have, I have pictures of that moment that she took to kind of verify <laughs> that it actually happened as well. Um, but unfortunately they're not, they're not behind me at, uh, at this wall. So I'll, I'll show those to you as, uh, another time as well. Oh, yeah. But, uh, the authenticity of it at all. Yeah. Right? yeah. I was just get, joking. Get, I really get don't Beckett, that get, drew that on get Beckett screen. on the phone. The yeah. Authenticity. Let me show you my, uh, Lionel Messi autograph. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's Messi signed up. 
What, did that say you know, Winchester when, City underneath it? Did he? he that's oh, his first autograph. Oh, yeah, that's rough. Oh man, I, I think he's going to stay. By the way, don't Good. worry about that. Good. I, I, I don't want him stay. with City. I hope he does stay. Yeah, City doesn't need. I would. I would. I would love to see him with City just to see Pep Guardiola continue his um, very intra in, inner sport relationship with the ghost of Phil Jackson. And just the idea that he can't win a Champions League without Lionel Messi is very funny to me yeah. because there the gospel the gospel of Pep has gotten out of hand, guys. I'm just going to go out there and say it. Wow, Eric, finishing on a strong note. Darren may never invite you back after this. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going PSG? It sounds like. Uh, no, I mean I think Manchester City is going to win, but the heartbreak's going to come in, in the final against Real Madrid. Oh, which would be so poetic. Close. You were so close. Uh, sorry. I can't, I can't in good conscience say that Chelsea is going to knock out Zidane. That, that man's a, a – uh, he's doing something to the players during the Champions League. All There's right. no reason why Real Madrid should be this far along anyway. All right. Well, you take okay, a shot right. at Pep and you take a shot at Chelsea on the way out. <laughs> we do love you. We appreciate it. And we'll chat with you soon. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, buddy. All right, Darren. There he is, Eric Gomez from Mexico City. Seriously, you can find a quick flight out of Tijuana. You can get into Mexico in about two hours. It is a wonderful place to go and visit. I don't know what my expectations were, but when you get there, you see this beautiful skyline, this amazing architecture. The food is just ridiculously good. It's like you've just, you know, you've landed in a major metropolitan city. So if you ever want to make that trip or are looking for a good destination here, I highly recommend it. Solid appearance, too. A lot going on there. So we'll see at some point here. By the time this podcast comes out, we might find out that Miguel Herrera is back with Cholos, which would be super exciting to think about having Piojo back here in the region. That would be amazing to have Piojo on one side of the border and Landon Donovan on the other side of the border. Like, pretty good time to be a regional soccer fan, huh? Uh, Yeah, that would be a really, really good dynamic to have. And, I mean... I don't think it's a secret that those two clubs have tried to play each other before. So no one should be surprised if they try to play each other again in the future. Who does not want to see Piojo and LD squaring off on the sidelines? Oh my so. gosh. Where that is. Let's go to TJ or let's have them come up here and play at Torero stadium. That would be an unforgettable moment. So hopefully we can get that squared away. Now we're almost through the preseason here, Jordan, just one match left for SD loyal. And that's against Cal state coming up Saturday, but two minutes, there were no highlights. A brief scouting report I got was that Trey Muse, who of course is on loan from Seattle, really, really had that performance against the club and MLS was in the S fantastic, uh, no goal scored, but a terrific experience for SD loyal again and one match to go. And then we're about two weeks away from the season beginning away at Phoenix. So it's, uh, it's go time. Yeah, it, it is absolutely go time. That means Darren, that uh, match day live quickly returning the pre and the post match show for San Diego loyal. Uh, you bring up at Phoenix. That should be a lot of fun. Very excited for that. SD loyal going to open up in a brand new stadium uh, on a Friday night. That is not a Saturday match. That is a Friday night, 7 PM in Phoenix. Who knows? Are people making the trip? Uh, are, how is that working? It's a little tricky here because, you know, there's still as much as we think Arizona is just, you know, some, Hey, you're free to do whatever. There still are limitations. So 
I don't know that that away fans are going to be allowed necessarily. Now they're allowed if you go and buy a ticket, but in terms of having a dedicated away section, even though it, you know, we're, we're that close and it's a four or five hour drive, what have you, I don't know that that's in the card. So I don't think we're quite there yet, but at some point during the season, I think that we're going to start talking a little bit more about seeing supporters making the trips to Orange County or L.A. or Oakland or what have you or back in Phoenix in a few weeks. So that's uh, that's potentially good news. And you mentioned Match Day Live. We need to just let everybody here know we are going to be back. You know, there's no official announcement made yet, but we can make this announcement here. And we are going to be back, Jordan and I, pre and post and some other what we call shoulder programming in this world. And we're going to be not on Facebook this year. We're going to be on YouTube. So you don't need to go and find a Facebook account. If you don't have one like me, you can, you can just the link, but we're going to be there. We're going to be on SD Loyal's YouTube page. We're going to be streaming live before the match. We're going to be streaming live after the match, man of the match, all sorts of interviews and content and things like that. So just a, a note for you that we will be available via YouTube for the 2021 season roster coming into, into play. And Jordan, let me just say, I, I feel very, very, very good that Miguel Ibarra and San Diego loyal will continue their relationship into the regular season. They have to, there's no other, there's no other way this finishes. He's still with the team. What is he going to do? Go join another team right now. It seems like to me, it's been so obvious for so long, but we haven't gotten anything official. No, it it starts. The MLS season starts on understand a player like wouldn't want to wait for every last opportunity to go back and play major league soccer. But I, I just feel, I feel like there's, There's sincere mutual interest. It's not a guarantee. I just feel very, very good that this player is going to be with SD Loyal to start the season two Fridays from now. I love that. That is very good news because he's a very good player. And it's very obvious uh, in the practices that I have shown up to to watch this year so far in the preseason. He is just so obvious. He stands out amongst people. So the fact that he will at least start the season with San Diego Loyal is fantastic news. Uh, and you hope that he can stick around. Now, if he's playing well and he's performing well, there's a chance that he moves on. That's the goal. So that's kind of part of it. But, hey, you have a guy like Miguel Barra on your team to start the year. Um, you're going to sign up for it. So I think that's good news. Darren, we have a Bundesliga report to get to um, from Mexico City a little bit earlier in the podcast. Let's go to Missoula, Montana now for wow. the latest. This is two foreign countries in one show. It is a podcast without borders, Darren. Here he is, Tim Stoops. Darren, Jordan, Veland, Here's your Bundesliga report. Question eins. Is Bayern still in first? Yes, Bayern is still in first, although they gave back two points after a 1-1 draw with Union Berlin. Question zwei. What did American Dream Gio Reyna do for Borussia Dortmund? Well, he finally did something. He got an assist. And he helped out. He wasn't a complete waste on the pitch. Way to go, Gio. Question drive. What did other Americans do in the Bundesliga? Not too much. And in your Toyerkanon tracker, it's still Robert Lewandowski with a sizable lead. That's all for this week. Auf Wiedersehen. 
So that's the latest in the Bundesliga. Tim Stoops, our Bundesliga correspondent, checking in from Missoula, Montana, who recently made a trip to San Diego, similar to Eric Gomez, who will be making a trip to San Diego coming up soon. I like that. All right, Jordan, since we're up against it here, we got plenty of content. We're not going to be able to get to everything. Right. So uh, let's give it 60 seconds to vamp on whatever it is that we want to vamp on. Okay. You can go Chelsea. You can go, you can go MLS. I'm going to put you on the clock here uh, on my mark. Go. All right. I'm going to give you the latest on Chelsea. Of course, I'm going to give you a couple seconds on Chelsea here. Chelsea, it's a great week to be a Chelsea supporter. They knock out Porto. I got Tottenham fans text me. this week. Like, oh, congrats. You beat Porto. We're in the semifinals of the Champions League. You guys can shut it and you can sack Jose on the way out. Um, Chelsea marching on not only to the semifinals of Champions League, they're also marching on to the semifinals of the FA Cup this weekend. Darren, I don't know if you know this, but if you tune in Saturday morning at 930, you will see Manchester City against Chelsea Football Club from Wembley Stadium for a spot into the FA Cup final. The other side is Southampton Leicester, Chelsea, Man City getting the short end of everything this weekend. No fans in the house at Wembley for Saturday. But there will be 4,000 fans at Wembley the following day for Southampton against Leicester. Uh, they are getting close, but Chelsea have a chance to have a fantastic week by advancing and then potentially knocking out Manchester City. Oh, my goodness. All right, good. You hit it. Yeah, it's nice. It's almost like you're a trained broadcast professional. Good job out of you. You gave uh, me big 60 shot. seconds. Do you know how long I did 60-second sports updates and continue to do 60-second sports updates from home for Live by Live? Um, I'm very – I know 60 seconds. You tell me I have 60, I'll give you 60. I don't. I can't, and you know this. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this in 60. So uh, my uh, 60 seconds will begin uh, in three, two – and one. Well, Jordan, no big surprise here. Uh, I'm going to shout out uh, a group that I had never heard of called Legacy Laces. Now, yes, uh, Peña Blaugrana San Diego, we got together for El Clasico. Real Madrid, what can you say? They were the better side. You know, there was an argument to be made for a penalty late in that one, but in a driving rain and windstorm, it was what it was. I still think there's some more twists and turns coming in La Liga's season. That said, we had a great turnout at Serrano's and Coronado. Thank you to anybody who showed up. But more importantly, our group did something which I want to promote here, that they had a, a boot drive, a cleat drive, and we collected new used cleats that are going to uh, underprivileged communities around San Diego. And we had a really, really good turnout in that regard. It's called Legacy Laces. And what they literally will do is put cleats on uh, kids who, who can't get on the field unless they have them. So we had uh, great turnout, great support for that, including from so thank you guys for sending an incredible pair of boots for us. And we got the Copa del, Rey, Copa del Rey final this week. Messi's last opportunity to win a trophy. Who knows? That would be Saturday at 1230. Stop the clock. I got you at one minute, 12 seconds. Yeah. You're fired. Yeah. Hey, I think Can't you may have cut out when you said something very important. You said someone sent boots um, to you guys. Was it San Diego Loyal? Is that who you said? Loyal sent a, uh, a ridiculously nice pair of, of cleats our way. Um, our man uh, Ricardo and Weston, uh, you know, they they definitely showed up and and we're there to support and we appreciate that. And I know that the Pena appreciates that as well. So yeah, it was. I mean, you look like you could. Uh, I mean, these are boots that Pele would have worn. They were they were that good. And of course, our guy Ricardo Campos put in a little note into the boot that just said Hala Madrid. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, Ricardo can suck it because Chelsea are taking down all of Madrid. You guys are going down. Eden Hazard, Courtois, oh, it's a bunch of oh. Chelsea rejects. Real Madrid is just a bunch of Chelsea rejects. That's what that club is. Um, I do want to give a shout out. You mentioned Weston. I saw Weston this week at the SD Loyal offices. That dude, I love him. He has like the best smile. He seems to be the happiest. Like, I'd, I'd love that guy. All right, that's really good stuff. You love hearing that kind of stuff from San Diego Loyal. They continue to kind of just prove themselves over and over again. So good stuff from SD Loyal there. Um, anything else we need to get to on the way out, Darren, other than thanking three punk ales and sport clips? I don't think so. I don't think so. Be on the lookout. Sal Ziza will join me on the radio. Uh, J.D. Good. Wicker, Athletic Director, San Diego State. We're talking about Major League Soccer. Don Garber actually saying San Diego, Phoenix, and Vegas. The Gold Cup is going to be, the final is going to be in Las Vegas on August 1st. That was an announcement today. MLS season, we got LAFC. They are the favorites at 5-1. to one. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff and I'll, I'll be, be having a good Saturday and waking up watching some FA cup and then the final of the Copa del Rey. Yes. Best so, of luck to love to see Messi win one last year. We don't know against athletic clubs. So we'll see. And also shout out to Phil Shane from being sports for making himself available last week. That was fun. That was a lot of fun for me. Put that out. Yeah. I went back and I listened to that. That was really good stuff. Good job. The original voice of major league soccer. How about that? All right, Darren, uh, enjoy your Thursday. Go enjoy that sports radio show of yours. I look forward to checking out, uh, you said Sal Zizo coming on the show. So yep. that should be fun. Should be fun. And check out unnamedsoccerpod.com. Unnamedsoccerpod.com. If you want to see Eric Gomez's autographed soccer ball. <laughs>